guys. Welcome to the Delta Flyers with Tom and Harry as we journey through episodes of Star Trek Voyager. Your two hosts along this journey are myself, Garrett Wong, and my co-host, the esteemed, the fantastic, the talented Mr. Robert Duncan McNeil. Well, thank you, sir. Thank you for that. You like those adjectives? I gave you adjectives Yes, very cool. (laughs) <laughs> By the way, look at me. I'm wearing our new, oh my goodness, T-shirt. Oh, look at that. Flyers. Um, yeah, I'm wearing it today. Good for you. Uh, yeah, I'm wearing my peace, love, and logic shirt. So, yeah, you got a hat yeah. on. You got the Delta yeah. Flyers. Yeah. So for those of you who want uh, Delta Flyers merch, you can go to thedeltaflyers.org.org, and you can find our shop there. And if you're interested in this Peace, Love, and Logic shirt, you can go to foreverensign.com, which is the new website that I just started. How are you? I'm good. You know, uh, I'm my temporary <laughs> uh, tooth. Uh, the crown is, is, yeah, it's it's temporary. I have to get the uh, another yeah. full crown, but it's 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 holding in after nice. a couple of days, I guess. So it's it's nice. not bad. It's not bad. And how are you? You're okay? Everything good? I'm good, yeah. Still yeah. in Utah and... Um went on a hike we got uh walter the famous walter dog we got him some booties for hiking because he was cutting his feet on some of the sharp rocks and things like that mm. it's very deserty up here where we're at mm. so that was funny to watch him walking around in his new booties yeah <laughs> like, was he doing this little yeah. this really weird like <laughs> yes so very funny, funny. it's it funny he got used to it though. yeah he'll it was... get <laughs> It, it takes some time, but the initial booty um, trying it's, on those booties, yeah. it's hilarious. It's yeah, really... it was very funny. And then he just sort of froze there. He didn't want to walk at one point. He was like, I'm just going to stand here because this is weird. So that was funny. But uh, yeah. Well, okay. yeah, we, we have to get booties in Calgary because of the, snow. the snow. Yeah, because sure. it's so cold and they could get frostbite. I mean, we have, um, we have two dogs. So we have George, who's half... uh, half Pomeranian, half Husky. So because he's Husky, Huskies grow fur between the pads of their, on their paws. So there's extra protection for them. So he's okay. But then we've got the little one who's half Chihuahua and half Yorkie, which she doesn't have any protection. So very delicate dog. Yes. So booties are definitely needed for the small little dog. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So this week's episode is before and after. Oh, yeah. Before and after. So everyone, please stay tuned while Robbie and I go watch the show. We'll be right back for all of our Patreon patrons. Thank you so much for your patronage. Please stay tuned for your bonus material. We'll be right back. See you in a minute. Robbie and I are back from watching Before and After. Yes. Hey, how's it going, Daddy? (laughs) Granddad to you. No, no, no. You're my daddy. Okay. No, that's right. Right, right, right. Right. My kid is your grandson. So that's what I called you. This was a this whole episode was really hard for me to follow. Oh my gosh. The timeline. I mean, yeah. I guess I would I would say that for me it reminded me of these kind of time jumpy stories are really hard for me like yeah this is going to sound crazy but i'm a big musical theater fan yes. and there are two of my favorite musicals that i just don't think work because they involve playing with time one is called Mer- uh, one is called merrily we roll along it's a stephen sondheim musical where it goes backwards it starts from the end of the story in the beginning and then goes with with these uh, three these this group of friends as old people, and then goes all the way back to when they first met as young people. Mm, okay. And it's just it it intellectually, I get the idea, but when you watch this musical, it just doesn't work. And there's okay. another another sh- musical called The Last Five Years about a couple, and the male character tells the story in normal order and the female character tells the story in the backwards order and they meet only for a moment right before intermission and then they continue on so you hear his side of the story from the beginning to the end mm-hmm. you hear her side of the story starting at the end and going right backwards. it's very anyway it, i just thought of both of those things as i was watching this episode going it, i get it intellectually but yeah. i wasn't i was i was having trouble getting 
engaged emotionally because it's the rules are so messed up. I hear you. It sounds like those two musicals, it's just very difficult as an audience member to track what's happening. You you yeah. start getting confused. And it's the same thing with this episode. I actually had to watch it more than one time for me to kind of like understand what was happening yeah. and pick up on what's going on because you are definitely confused right from the get-go. Like very yeah. first scene, you're like, what is happening? You know, and even when you sort of say like, okay, I'm, I'm kind of getting it. There's still scenes that pop up where you're going, wait, what's happening again? You're still yeah, asking yeah. that question again. Um, so let's jump into it with our, our poetry synopsis. And yes, let's do. Because hmm. starting with some poetry is a really <laughs> lovely way to calm down and get focused yes. in a way that it was hard to focus yes. okay. on this. Okay, my haiku for this episode goes a little something like this. Mm -hmm. Kess moving backwards. Alternate reality. Prepare for Krenim. <laughs> okay, there you go. It's short and sweet. Yes. All right, here we go with my limerick for before and after. Here we go. <clears throat> Kess wakes up, she's a grandmother. A life that seems like another's. She keeps jumping back. Solution she lacks, 1.47 to recover. Ooh, mm, nice. You like that, that puppy? Hey. That yeah. was a good one. You got focused in on this. I okay. did, man. I was like, I got to get this sucker down. Good. Yeah. So this is written by Ken Biller and yes. directed by, would this be the very first episode that Alan Croker directed? I think so. I oh. think it was. I, okay. I don't remember him directing in our rewatch. I haven't seen his yeah. name pop up. Yeah. Alan, as we know, became one of our regular directors. He directed mm -hmm. a lot of episodes. Mm after this but yeah. i think this was the first time he may have directed deep space nine i think that's where he started in star trek that was his entree was DS9. So. okay well i, I will so. say about alan is that he's one of those directors that i definitely look forward to working with on yeah. a basis you know just one of those all-around great guys always kind of telling jokes and really lighthearted. you know when the camera yeah. was rolling just someone who you would have a beer with. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I would say Alan is like. Somebody you would enjoy having conversation with. So, yeah. yeah. And he also, I thought, was always very passionate about the work. Oh, yes. Most get definitely. Get into a scene. He would, he would really collaborate with the actors. Yeah. He wouldn't be stuck on mm -hmm. shots that, you know, you have to stand here and don't turn until this moment. And yeah. He was very um, organic in the way that he liked to work with the actors on scenes but he but he had a perspective he had a something about the scene that he wanted to create mm -hmm. and that he felt mm -hmm. was important and i and i appreciated his passion uh, i know marvin loved him because he yeah. and marvin would get into these handheld scenes where <laughs> you know actors would move around and 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 the camera would whip over here and yeah and they'd do these really uh, fun and complicated handheld sequences with with alan so yeah, it was great to see his name pop up there. Passion is a good way of describing it. I would also say just excitement. Like when he's on the set, it almost seems like this is his first time directing. Like every yeah. time he's there, he's so into it, which really as an actor, that makes you feel like, well, I'm going to do better or I'm going to be as into it as he is. That that yeah. energy is infectious. And I just yeah. loved the, um, you know, how he set the tone when he showed up to direct. Yeah. So yeah. Well, it's funny because probably 10 years after this, after... Mm -hmm. This episode, cut to 10 years later, I was uh, on the first season of Chuck, producing Chuck, yeah. uh, the TV show Chuck, and directing on that. But we had a director fall out in the first season, very last minute. And we were looking around for directors. And I said to the studio, I said, do you know Alan Craker? And they were like, no, this was Warner Brothers. And they said, no, we've never worked with that director. We don't know him. And I said, well, I worked mm. with him on Star Trek. He's really awesome and he's available right now. He could mm. jump into this last minute slot. And uh, and so they met with him and he came on, he got the job and was able to direct on Chuck the first season. And he became one of our most uh, you know regular directors. I know oh. Zach Levi loved him in particular, really loved Alan. Wow. So, you know, I, I came to visit you so many times when you were I know. working on Chuck. I missed Alan. I didn't see I him. I, I didn't he did remember. a lot of episodes. He huh. Did. Yeah. Okay. And also, there is a difference in the pronunciation of his name. Some people say Craker. Some people say Croker. You know, so yeah. there is a little bit of a... Um, 
delineation between how you pronounce that name. I say but, Alan Craker, but I yeah. don't know if I could be, even though I've known him for a long, long time. Well, okay. If you look at the spelling of the name, the O and the E, um, essentially that is a German a German thing. Yes. Right? And yeah. so it, it is where the umlaut should go. So if you think about Walter Koenig's name, right, it's uh -huh. K-O-E-N-I-G, right? So it's really an O with a with an accent, uh, the, the, the umlaut, the double the double dots are above the O. So the, yeah. the real spelling should be K-O-N-I-G with the O with the two dots. So Croker or Craker's last name should be K-R-O with the umlaut, K-E-R without the E. The E is just to symbolize that there should be an umlaut over the O. So the way you pronounce, for instance, an Walter's umlaut. lame, yeah, the umlaut, uh, Walter Koenig is really Koenig. Kernig in German. So er is the sound Kirker. of the O-E. Yeah. So it should be Kröcker. Kröcker is what it should be. But that's very German yeah. and not anglicized. And so yeah. I think he, when he got to Canada, he's Canadian. So he just said, you know what, just pronounce it Kröcker, you know, right? Yeah. Or Kroker, whatever. So he sort of slides on however people pronounce that because there yeah. are different ways of pronouncing it. Well, I loved him. He's, a, he's an he's awesome He's great. Guy. Great guy. Yeah. Okay, so we start off in sickbay, and the first thing we see is old age makeup. And I just want to make a comment that the only people that have gone through old age makeup until this point, season three, the middle of the towards the end of season three, would be myself, um, Harry Kim, who had to go through old age makeup when we did the thaw, when Michael McKean was in that episode. And that was um, my time to put on all the prosthetics. And then now Kess is the only other person to put a full face of, cause you can tell every bit of her face oh, is covered yeah. oh, yeah. prosthetic. And that would have taken approximately three to maybe four hours to apply everything and, on her. Yeah, and she was in a lot of scene, half the episode or oh, my gosh. that old age makeup. Mm -hmm. So she was in that chair a lot. Yeah. yeah. So she was a trooper for sure on this yep. one. Um, so she's lying on the bio bed and in pops Christopher Aguilar's character who plays Andrew. And he's like, uh, grandma, I, I brought you a present. I'm sorry, I'm late. Here's my present. And she's looking at him and just has no clue who he is. Absolutely yeah. not. And so that's when young Andrew calls for Dr. Van Gogh. And now we see this is the name that the doctor has chosen in this reality, this timeline. He's this chosen timeline, Van Gogh yeah. and he has hair. Yeah. And she can't remember a thing except for um, the only thing she can remember is a, a biotemporal chamber, which which she was in. But then the doctor's like, wait a minute, I don't even know what you're talking about because he he hasn't put her in that chamber yeah. yet in this point. Right. So her amnesia is pretty bad. Jacote shows up. And he arrives to, uh, to basically discuss the bio, but the biotemporal chamber procedure. And when when Chico there's a lot of little details in here, like Ch mm -hmm. when Chicote shows up, Andrew calls him Captain. That's right. That's right. He yes. calls him Captain, and you're like, wait, that's a minute, right. You're what? like, how's that happening? Mm -hmm. How does that happen? And mm -hmm. and even going back in that very opening shot, her POV before we even see her face on the bio bed, we just see the blurry POV going around, yes. and we hear Tom's voice saying uh you know come on kids or something like that he says but you can you can hear that it's tom off camera. i didn't catch that at all let's get, let's get out of here the doctor oh, says okay. you know you ha you guys all have to leave i've got to do this procedure and you hear tom's voice okay saying hey we let's get out of here i don't mm -hmm. know if he says kids but right. it's just a lot of little detailed clues yeah right. the doctor's hair mm -hmm. and and already i was kind of going wait we're in the future somehow but when mm -hmm. we jumped are we going backwards like i immediately thought from that point of view because when when it jumps from the point of view into the scene where they talk about the biotemporal chamber yeah and kes says you said something about the biotemporal chamber and the doctor says oh no not yet we we, yeah. we talked about it but we haven't done that yet but right. in the previous moment he was starting to do it so I was like, wait, we got to wait. Be what's going happening? Backwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a yeah. little confusing for sure. But yeah. this whole chamber is in order to help pro prolong her life. That's the whole issue uh, yeah. with this suggestion of using this chamber. Yeah, but the doctor she... says to Chicote, he goes, mm -hmm. "A nine-year-old Ocampin, you know, this could be normal. This, uh, you know, this what's what's happening for her could be normal mm -hmm. with Ocampins, but this biotemporal chamber is untested. Right, and best it's Exper it's experimental." And so yeah. then now she gets cold and we realize this is one of the 
things that happens right before she flashes that she starts getting cold her temperature starts dropping and then she flashes and boom she's no longer in jumps she jumps now she's waking up in her own bed in her quarters and she overhears andrew and who we later discover to be linus talking and she gets up and she walks over and she doesn't know who linus is no clue and And linus is As her earlier daughter. said, mom, mom called her exactly. mom. So the audience sort of knows, oh, this must be her daughter in this right. timeline. Right. And, yep. um, you know, the daughter tells her, you know, remember when you used to work in sick bay? And she doesn't remember that. So mm-hmm. every time she jumps, she has no memory of any other timeline at all. She's completely- Except, except, except what the just future happened. that she just jumped from. Exactly. Linus even so says confusing. in this scene when, when yeah. Kess kind of explains, well, what about the biotemporal chamber and the- mm-hmm. And the and we were in sick bay and Linus yeah. says none of those things that you remember before you just woke up ever happened. Yeah. They haven't happened. Yet. They haven't even happened yet, which so, is crazy. Yeah, so we've seen her <laughs> jump twice now from yeah. that opening scene to the mm-hmm. sick bay scene now to this scene. Mm-hmm. So she's jumping backwards in time. Right. Start right. to kind of figure that out. So so Linus is concerned. So she she escorts Kess towards um, sick bay because yep. she feels that you know her mom is confused and that maybe her mother is dreaming and now they're in sick bay and the doctor is scanning her and realizes that she's lost more than 98% of her memory engrams. So mm-hmm. the onset of more elogium, I guess more is just tagged more, onto the front of elogium, right? Yes. More elogium. It's not like M O R E. I think it's more elogium is the name of the Ocompan name for it, right? The for what's phase. happening. Yeah, the final phase of Ocompan. The final phase of life. Yeah. Mm. Yes. And so the doctor scanning her, Tom enters in this scene with Andrew we, and Harry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and Harry. And we realize that Tom is her husband. Yes. We, this, this comes out. Yes. And we realize that Linus is their daughter. <laughs> so okay, can we just time out for a second? How, yeah. So Linus is clearly full grown. She's an adult. I, I did now. the math. Okay, so, go, go, please, go ahead. I, I'm wondering, is it because she's half Ocompan, she yes. is maturing faster than- Has to be. That's the only explanation. Yes, because, because the one thing we know is Kess is nine years old. The doctor said that right now. Correct. Now in our show, Kess is three, right? Right, right. So at three years old, by two or three years old, mm-hmm. you are a grown person. You're oh, a grown okay. adult. Yes, right? that makes two sense. Two or three years old. That makes and we sense. know that she's nine now. So that means yeah. there's about six years to play with in here, mm-hmm. which means that in those six years, this uh, year of hell had to have happened. Mm-hmm. Balana had to have died. Uh, mm-hmm. Spoiler alert, I'm gonna jump through some plot points. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> In this, in this five or six years, yes, yeah. Lana had to have died. Uh, Kess helped Tom get over it. They got married. Mm-hmm. Let's say now we're we're out of our five years. Let's say we're a year into that. Yeah, uh, they get married. They have a baby a year later. Now their baby is two or three, grows up because she's two or three now, like like Kess was mm-hmm. in in our show. Right, she's an adult. You marry her. You guys have a kid a year ago because I think yeah. the doctor says something like he's a year old even though he looks 14. So he has accelerated growth as well, yes. right? My kid, even though he's only a quarter, he's not yes. only a quarter Ocompan at this point, correct? That's the thing. I think that they're just saying, if you got any Ocompan in you, this happens. Okay. That's the only way the math works. Okay. With all makes this. sense. But yes, it's a bra- this is a brain teaser and I have the <laughs> same, sure same issue. It sure is. So let's just go back to that one scene. And um, the doctor walks away with Tom and explains to him what's going on with this yeah. with this experimental treatment. Linus walks over and argues that no, 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 no. Mom wouldn't want this. She has accepted the length of her lifespan. It's nine years and she doesn't want to extend anything. She's, fu- yeah. you know, don't do this. And both Tom and Harry argue with Linus that, hey, wait a minute. If there's anything we can do to extend her life, we need to do this. Yeah, I, I got to say, when Tom argued, I don't know why I yelled at her so harshly. At like- Linus? Yes, yeah. I yelled at Linus. And I'm thinking as I'm watching it, like, why did I choose as an actor to play it so hot? Because yeah. that's my daughter and I should know, you know, have compassion. Yeah. But yeah. She's also, you know, suffering and I should have been more empathetic, I guess. I didn't I didn't like the way that I most of the, this whole episode I was happy with it, you know, my performance, yeah. but that moment I was like, nah. I wish we had another version. Yeah, I almost feel like our connection with Linus both your connection and my connection 
weren't fleshed out as much as we could have. Like, I, I think we, I think we were more shocked that, that as actors, we were filming this episode and boom, Hey, you've got a daughter. Boom. Hey, Harry, that daughter is now your wife. And we literally were thrown into this to the point that we were kind of shocked or not prepared as well. You know what I'm saying? And in, in terms yeah. of drawing that sort of relationship that, okay, this is definitely, this is my daughter. And which if you had a stronger connection or had done more backstory, maybe you wouldn't yeah. have yelled at her as much, but I feel like yeah, that maybe. all of a sudden, the, you know, we were served up with a family immediately. Like I have mm -hmm. a son, you have a daughter, your daughter is my wife. And it's just like, whoa, you know, we, we it's were a really, lot it's process. a lot, it's a process yeah. as actors, as young actors. Yeah. And we were both in our, you know, um, in our, uh, you were in your early thirties. I was in my late twenties at the, at the time. And so I think we were just kind of, um, trying ambushed. To absorb yeah, we're trying to absorb the, the entire. We were trying facts. to figure out the script ourselves, probably. I, I did. Right? As I watched this, I remembered yeah. I, it was very confusing. I was like, yeah. definitely. Yeah, a lot of things were confusing. Mm -hmm. I remember as we shot it. Guess in this scene, also, uh, you know, the doctor goes over and explains some of what's going on. We go over to to talk to Kess, all of us, and and she says that doesn't explain her jumping around like yeah. the jumps don't yeah. make sense to her so she's yeah. kind of tracking these jumps mm -hmm. of her journey backwards in time mm -hmm. that no one else is aware of yeah and that's another thing that made this difficult is that Kess was the only one that was kind of going in a consistent direction because every time she jumped we went back into slow motion forwards time you know what i mean mm -hmm. like we yeah. she jumped to a point and now we're heading forwards again yeah up until she jumps back and now we all have to get caught up so oh, all yeah. the other characters were as confused as her. Yeah. <laughs> or, or more confused as, than her. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, they're yes. like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you um, know, the I, title of this is Before and After. It should have been Discombobulated is the name yeah. of this, uh, this episode. Yeah. Um, and so she's asking what's happening to her. And as she's talking to the doctor, she flashes yet again. Again. Uh, now, she's, now she's in mess hall. And and Neelix and is, is bringing out her birthday cake for her ninth birthday, right? And Neelix is in a uniform, by he's the way. He's in a uniform. He's in a Starfleet uniform. Yeah. <laughs> he's in a Starfleet uniform, and they're singing. Yes. For for, for he's, he's a jolly a, good fellow. For he's a jolly. For he's good, a jolly good fellow. Yeah. He's a jolly good fellow, which I remember when we shot the scene. I'm like, why are we singing this song? Mm -hmm. And they said, oh, because the birthday, the happy birthday to you song, is copyrighted. And they didn't want to pay the money to the whoever they would have to, you know, pay for the back then. Are you, you serious? To, yeah, you had no. to pay a royalty <laughs> so they wouldn't sing it. And I'm like, what? Like, this is her birth. Like, there's so many other confusing things. Why are we singing for He's a Jolly Good you're, Fellow? Anyway. You're telling me the, the traditional happy birthday to you song yes. is yes. actually was written somebody by somebody that owned the rights to that. And it only became public domain in the last few years. Oh my God. So when we were making Voyager, you had to It was not pay. public domain. Yeah, oh you, my you God. had to pay for it. Now it's public domain. Now you can sing it. That's why you'll probably see it on a lot more TV shows. But wow. then you didn't see it very often because they charged an arm and a leg. It was a, a crazy amount of money. Wow. I do like Neelix's line after Kess blows out the candles and he says, it's good to see that old lung is still working, Kessie. He calls her Kessie, first of all, yeah. we don't hear that, but he's referring to the fact that she had to give up one of her lungs after Neelix had his lung yeah. removed by the, the Vidians. Uh, Remember yeah. that? So yeah. that's that's a little, a little, and we don't have a lot detail. of lines that deep, that kind of refer back to episodes in the past. So I found I that interesting and unique and kind of cool to hear that. And didn't Ken Biller write that episode with the Vidians? And he, he might have. He I think might he have. may have written yeah. it. So yeah. So, so Ken would have kudos made that. to Ken. Yeah, he would yeah. have made that connection. Yeah. But yes, you, we do find out that Neelix is security, and Kess tries to ask Andrew questions to get the box. Yes. You know, to sort of like figure out what's like happening. Like, where with was situation. he? Where yeah. were you? Did you come straight here? She's mm -hmm. trying to figure out the timeline. Right, but the doctor uh -huh. interrupts. The doctor interrupts that whole yeah. conversation, um, and, and basically, I, I, hmm. I gotta, I gotta say one thing about Alan Craker's direction. I noticed immediately that he was doing some really interesting things, uh, moving the actors, blocking the actors with movement, but it felt very authentic. I, I really liked the, uh, the blocking in this mess hall scene with Kess moving to Andrew and then the yeah. doctor joining and then them moving yeah. and you know falling into one position and then turning to the, to the bar. That kind of staging by directors keeps 
the frame interesting just to the eye, just mm -hmm. looking, watching a scene as you yeah. see people moving through space or settling into new positions, changing directions, things like that. He did a great job of doing that without it feeling uh, forced in any way. I thought it was- Yeah, very organic. There was a, yeah. there was a super nice flow to this scene for sure. Yeah. So the next part is she confides in the doctor that, listen, I, I, this is going to sound crazy, but please hear me out. And he's like, please, I'll, I'll listen to anything. And she says, my memories do not coincide with anyone else's. No one remembers any of the things that I remember. So the doctor's like, well, wait a minute, that's strange. And then she brings up the biotemporal chamber, which shocks the doctor because he only thought of that that morning and hadn't even explained this yeah. new experimental treatment to Kess yet. So now he realizes, okay, something is truly going on with her. And that's when they head to sickbay. Yeah, we're in sickbay. The doctor says she's lost 95% of her memory and... Uh... Presumably, presumably, she's just remembering the future events where she's right. jumping from. That's it. Yeah. She's not remembering anything else. Right. Yeah, she remembers Andrew giving her a birthday present. And then later, Andrew was working on the birthday present. So she definitely starts to realize that that she's going, you know, that she's remembering things backwards. And yeah. the doctor thinks that Kess may have developed some kind of precognition mm -hmm. that allows her to see the future. Mm -hmm. And events that haven't, that's how they're interpreting it right now. Right. Um, so Chakotay says to Paris that, you know, they should go work on scanning for temporal anomalies mm -hmm. that may be causing this, uh, you know, her to experience events from the future. Mm -hmm. And uh, she decides and Kess decides she wants to help herself. And she tells the doctor she wants to look at all of her old medical records. So she mm -hmm. pops up and goes over to the computer to start looking for that. So everybody's starting in this timeline, sick pay at this for this moment. Yeah, starting to uh, understand that she's you know what's happening. Yeah. So this is yeah this scene is is literally the scene that everyone everyone else realizes something very wrong is happening or something yeah. something out of the ordinary is happening with Kess. So this but is this the, is the hard part of this this whole story is they're they're all realizing in this scene in this mm -hmm. moment. They're wrapping their heads around, oh, Kess has got precognition or something is happening, some mm -hmm. temporal weirdness that she's knows what's in the future. But they're realizing it in this timeline. But as soon as she jumps back to a new timeline, they're starting all over again. Yeah. They, yeah, don't, they won't know it. Yeah. And that so, was the part that was for me like, wait, they already learned that. Oh no, we've jumped yeah. back further. So they've got to learn it again and again and again. Mm -hmm. so, so a lot uh, of repetitive lines from Kess explaining yes. to everyone over and over again over over. what happens, right? But she doesn't, I mean, she doesn't jump that quickly. And this, it, this- No, no, because we go to Kess's quarters. Go to Kess's quarters, here. yeah. And Paris comes in, she's mm -hmm. looking at logs about her life yeah. and she doesn't remember. She says, you know, I, yeah. I must've lived, looks like I lived a really full life, but I yeah. don't remember any of it. And, and this is where you share that you had a crush Tom, on her from the beginning. Yeah. Ah, so you were lying the whole time uh, when you were yeah. fighting me. You I guess so, I didn't know you. that back yes. then. Yeah. But uh, in, this, in this timeline, Paris <laughs> says he had a crush on her since he first met her and Neelix was super jealous yeah. and, and he, he denied it, but Neelix was right that he mm -hmm. really did have a crush on her. And she listens and she's like, I don't remember any of this. Yeah. And he says, he brings up the year of hell for the first time, which is, I love that they're putting in some of this. It's a great opportunity to put in some of this, what's episodes that are going to happen in the future. Okay, um, so this is definitely an episode that was not recorded before, not filmed before this episode, correct? They're referring to the episode Year of Hell, which is still to be recorded. Yeah. Correct? Is that what yes. they're doing? So they the, the the writers, I thought, they kind of were writing by the seat of their pants, but maybe not. Maybe they already had everything worked out where they knew. I that think they had some big episodes planned and they knew somewhere down the line they wanted to do something called the year of hell about, you know, okay. and they'd start laying in some of the foundations of that now. But right. Tom says to her, you know, Bellana was lost. She doesn't re remember Bellana. Mm -hmm. She doesn't remember Janeway. Mm -hmm. Carrie was lost. He, Tom even says Bellana was someone who was very special to me. And then you helped me through it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And she goes, I just, I don't remember any of that. I don't, I don't have any feelings about any of this. And Tom says, 
I've got enough feelings for the both of us. Yeah, that's he's after a, you try to touch her face and she moves yeah, around, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's a sensitive guy. That he's was a nice line. That was a yeah. very non-Tom Paris, very non-Nick Locarno line for you yeah. to say, I have yeah. enough feelings for both of us. Yeah, he's yeah. a feeling guy. Yeah. yeah, okay. But this is where she discovers that she did have radiation poisoning in the past because of this story about Year of Hell. Yeah. And that's when both Paris and, and Cass come to the conclusion that chroniton torpedo fragments leaked radiation into the ship, penetrated our shields because the torpedoes were in a constant state of temporal flux. Yep. And that's when they say, hey, we better tell the doctor what's going on. So they head down the corridor to sick bay and the flashing happens again. Another she jumps jump. again. Bye-bye. Yeah, she's Another gone. Another jump. Now we're in Harry and Linus's quarters, right? So we're in Harry and Linus's quarters and Harry is in the process of taking a picture of Kess and baby Andrew. Uh, Kess asks the date and realizes that the jump was a six month jump. So she grabs Tom and heads to sick bay. It's sort of like the continuation of heading to sick bay. There's a moment, there's a moment in the scene though, where, uh, where Harry says something like, well, how does it feel to be, does it feel, or he said, I can't, I didn't write the line down, but it was something like, does it, is it strange to be now, now to know that you're a granddad or something? And oh, Paris yeah. goes, not as strange as having you as a son-in-law. Son. Like <laughs> I don't think you yeah. said son-in-law. You said as a son, which as is funny. As a son, yeah. yeah. That yeah. was funny. It that is. That's nice, why I called a, you daddy at the beginning of this. This is uh, a brief little exchange, but it made me laugh. <laughs> it is. Um, yeah, so we go back to sick bay. Mm -hmm. And Kess says that she's jumped five times so yeah. far. Uh, random jumps. They're not, mm -hmm. you know, they're not, um, you know, the same each time. Same. Right amount of time mm -hmm. and uh we we learned that she was inoculated for this radiation this chroniton radiation uh, like everybody else was three years ago they were mm -hmm. all inoculated during yeah. the year of health but there are residual trace amounts of chronotons that have reactivated in Kess. And, and yes yes and they talk about this idea maybe mm -hmm. this biotemporal chamber thing that, that you are talking about maybe that reactivated these particles mm -hmm. and and they're again everybody's wrapping their heads around she's traveling backwards in time yeah that's so the they doctor's... discover it again yeah. for the second time yeah. your doc the doctor makes that statement your wife yeah. is traveling backward through time so that's him re realizing that again for the second time that second time what's happening so right far. yeah and now they're in the briefing room and Kess is going through a report of what's happened to her we have Kess, yep. we have linus dr paris tuvok and chakotay and kim so it's a full room um yep. surprisingly linus is the only person who has no lines but yet she's still there yep. and the doc says uh you know what we have to purge all the chroniton particles in her system and kim says you know what we need to know the precise temporal variants of the specific torpedo fragment which contaminated the ship. Tuvok says, well, tactical sensors were not functioning at the time, so we have zero records, nothing. So that's kind of a dead end. How are we going to yeah. figure this out? We don't know. Yeah. And then we flash, or we don't flash, we go to the science station and yep. Kess is still in the temporal sink for now. She's still in our time period. Mm -hmm. Linus is trying to run a hypothalamic scan. And she talks about how she had a very good teacher. And Kess says, Dr. Van Gogh. And she goes, no, no you. You, yes. you were my teacher. You yes. taught me well. That was a sweet moment, which mm -hmm. leads to them sort of opening up even more because Linus reveals that she feels kind of awkward sometimes about being a mom. This, That's it's right. not her comfort zone. Yeah. And uh, she doesn't think she's very good at it. She feels much more comfortable in the science lab or in sick mm -hmm. bay. Uh, the doctor comes in to take her to sick bay mm -hmm. uh, into a containment field. He's going to start to keep her in there. To and, keep her from uh, jumping again, the containment field. Right? Yeah, the containment field is going to try to keep her from jumping. And as she's walking out, she turns back and she says, Linus, you know, you were a great mom. Yeah. Andrew turns out really great. Right. And that's a, that's a sweet moment. That yeah, it was a good moment. A good yeah. moment. For sure. Yeah. So we go into the sick bay and she, and she is, uh, Cass is in the, in the containment field. Paris comes in and we realize that, uh, that he was also named Mozart for a while. <laughs> I thought you settled because, on Mozart. Yeah. Paris no. is like, Dr. Van Gogh, what? I thought, <laughs> I thought you were settled on Mozart. And, uh, he says, well, I, I guess my attachment to the creative things will go on a bit longer. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you ask to enter the containment field, but the doctor yeah. says, that's not a good idea. And so then you start telling Kess about the wedding reception that you guys had. Yeah. Paris goes, how about another installment of Tom and Kess, the early years, uh, which sounds like they've, he's been trying to 
remind her almost like yeah. you might with someone with Alzheimer's or something, exactly. like, tell these stories, see if anything. And so clearly he's been doing that. And mm -hmm. he talks about the wedding reception mm -hmm. and that Harry was very nervous <laughs> at this wedding reception and spilled champagne on Tom's dress uniform. Yes. So that must've been a fun wedding reception. Yeah. Uh, Linus comes in, <laughs> she says, I may have found something. And she's talking about the, her temperature drops. They're starting to track these, these, uh, you know, her temperature. Yeah, Linus had um, found something while studying the effects of the chronotons on other crew members, and that's yep. when the alarm goes off. Her temperature is, is going down. The doc tries elevating her temperature. It's not working. So she flashes again, but you missed a really important line that Paris says to her. He says, what he, he says, at the time, I thought that was the happiest day of my life but every day just got better and better. So it shows this Aww. really, really tight and, and great relationship that Tom had Aww. with Kess in that reality. So that's- He's very romantic in this- very romantic in this, in this yeah, reality, yeah. In this reality. The, the other thing reality. I noticed, uh, just to pause there, I remember that moment, it was a tight close-up of, of me, of Tom Paris. Mm -hmm. But I did notice uh, even before this that Alan Craker, first episode he directed with us, was doing some tighter close-ups than we typically did. Mm. I noticed a, a handful of moments where it got into these really tight close-ups that we yeah. don't normal, didn't normally do. No, and you have one at the end of this when she right before she's flashing or when she's go she's fritzing, you scream, "Do something!" and it's yeah. pretty tight on you right there for that yeah. scene. Yes, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and he also had in that I think in that one, "Do something." I was looking right into the camera, right into Again. the lens. Yeah, which, that was which we don't normally do, you know, yeah. to jump into a point of view, you know, that kind of shot with the camera looking at an actor and the actor looking right in the lens is mm -hmm. really a shot about Kess's point of view. Yeah. That's exactly what Kess sees. So I was looking in, in you know, in that version, it would be right. like I was looking right into Kess, even though yeah. I was looking at the camera. Right. We didn't normally do that. No, because when you look into the camera, you're, you're essentially breaking that fourth wall. Right, yeah. you're not supposed to look directly into the camera, but if it's her POV, well, that makes sense. But again, not something that we typically see no. on Voyager. So, no. Craker definitely kind of pulled pulled all, pulled out all the stops, and you know, was yeah. super creative in this episode for sure. Yeah. So uh, I screamed, "Do something!" Looking at the camera, and we jump again backwards in time inside a shuttle. Ah, and the this shuttle is what scene. I was saying earlier, I remembered this scene. Yes. The birthing scene. Yes. But what I didn't remember was where do the babies come out of Ocompens? Out Somewhere of in the back. Backside. <laughs> I'm clearly looking at her back and trying to pull the baby yeah. out. And you know. it's the upper back though, because you know her uniform is kind of she's pulled it down just so that now it looks like a halter top, right? Well, so what she was she pulled wearing? it down that far. It was a it full. Like it was a, a towel. full. No, it it's a full uniform. It's a full uniform, Robbie. She pulled the sleeves off and then she pulled it down. So it now her back it is didn't showing. Didn't look like that. It looked I know like it, they had built something yeah. that looked like a towel wrapped around her. No, like it does. It shower. does track later. You do see it. You see the uniform oh, on all the way. Right. By the but, way, she has some muscles in. That's that. what I wrote down. I was yeah. like, my goodness, look at those guns on her. The, her <laughs> arms are so buff. It's just like I don't even recall her. I didn't. I didn't working out I, back then. I didn't even know. No but she was very fit. She looked great. I was yeah. like, good Lord, look at those arms. So, yeah. yes. And we have the baby. Yes. She has the baby. And that's and, the baby I was telling mm -hmm. you before. When I pull that baby around, yeah. that baby could only work for 20 minutes or whatever it was. Yeah. They put the goo on the baby. There was, right. um, I actually didn't notice. I remember, my memory is that they put some prosthetics on the baby, but I couldn't see. I didn't see prosthetics. I saw the yeah. goo, the cottage cheesy kind of stuff that was on the baby. Um, and then, uh, yeah. And, you know, honestly, it didn't look like anybody was stressed out about working with the baby. But now that I know the story about you guys, were, we were a little under the gun to get this baby shot in. And quickly, and Jennifer was not comfortable. And, you know, that's also because she was 22 is one at the time old. she yeah. has no children so she doesn't know how to hold a baby you know so yeah. she has the baby she sits down and all of a sudden there's a call from voyager we're under attack under attack yes what yes. the what <laughs> uh, yeah under yeah, attack so we mm -hmm. uh, jumped back to voyager and we're coming out of the uh, shuttle bay neelix is helping us congratulating us and he's going to take Kess to mess hall because 
this battle is nasty. And um, she remembers, Kess, is, as he's describing this battle, mm-hmm. she remembers that in the future, one of her earlier jumps, when she was in the future, they referred to the year of hell and she realizes this is this must be what they're yeah. talking about. Yeah. And uh, she even says to Tom, remember you told me about, he goes, you know, when? how did you hear yeah. about that? And she, yeah. she goes, remember you told me. And he goes, he goes, no, I doesn't yeah. remember. And Mm-mm. she's like, it's a long story. <laughs> she doesn't yeah. want to get into, yeah. I'm jumping backwards in time. Right. And yeah. the reason why you don't go to the uh, mess hall is because Neelix says Captain Chakotay has sent Tom on a mission to go to the weapons array to modulate the targeting scanners to a parametric frequency to knock out the chronoton torpedo launchers. That yep. is a mouthful. And so that is your job. So now as Cass is going to the mess hall with Neelix, she then tells him, everything that's happened on the way to yep. Mess Hall. And that's when Chakotay and Tom joined later. And now they are apprised of the situation via Neelix. And Kess tells him that she needs the exact temporal variance of the torpedo fragment. But Chakotay goes through this list of extensive damage that Voyager oh, has suffered. Damage. Yeah, and says like, yeah. look, we don't There's even no have- bay, the doctor's offline. We don't have the resources. Computers are we can't, down. We can't do yeah. this. Yeah, we can't do yeah. anything at all. He says only three decks have life support. Yeah. Yep. Only three decks out of right. 14 have life support. So she flashes again at this yeah. point. And she's cold now, and then yep. jumps. Boom. Resort now program. She, Here we yes. are. Yeah. She sees Tom and uh, she says she needs to talk. And that's when Belana comes up and gives her a kiss. And I love this scene. She's gives like, him a kiss. Yeah, Bellana sorry. Comes so Belana comes up and Tom. gives Tom a kiss. And then <laughs> she's a little bit taken back. And she goes, oh, you must be Belana. Which to Belana, this is hilarious. Because yeah. she's like, okay, you're, a, com- a, yeah, you're a comedian goes, now, kiss. Well, the yeah. last time I checked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm still Belana. Yeah. So it's very funny. <laughs> and so, um, But clearly uh, in this in this timeline in this yeah. moment in this timeline this is when paris and balana have gotten together which hasn't yes. even happened on right. the show yet they're so. a couple they're a couple yeah. but now the ship is under attack again so this is now we're flashing back to Red the alert. very first attack from the crenum so i think that when we first see tom and Cass board voyager with the newborn baby that was after months or however yeah. weeks of attacks right so now um, we see the initial attack happens while you guys are in the resort program. Yeah. So you guys rush to the bridge and Kess is the one who informs Captain Janeway, who is now captain, of course, she's still alive, that uh, the Krenum are the people that are attacking. And she explains what's going on with the torpedoes. This is the first time a- we've seen Janeway, by the way. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's this is right. the first has- time in the episode that we've seen Janeway, which to me, honestly... It just felt strange that we hadn't seen something felt off about the episode besides mm. the complex story. And part of it was that Janeway wasn't a part of it. Yeah, I was okay with it. It didn't bother me. And I think really? Kate Mulgrew, the actress, was pretty happy to have time off. So she was I'm probably sure she thinking, was. this is I'm great sure for me. Yeah. Um, but it didn't pull me out. It didn't really. No. Well, Kess explains to Janeway mm. who they are, the Krem. Yep. Uh, she explains that these are chroniton-based torpedoes mm-hmm. in a state of tempor- temporal flux. That's why they're passing through the shields. That's, That's right. Why you're just you're That's not right. able to uh, you know defend yourselves. And yeah. Janeway goes over with Torres to one of the side stations. Mm-hmm. And that's and when a torpedo of, hits. <laughs> yes, and that's when the torpedo hits. And we have some stunt actors for Janeway. Yeah, and, I, and I think Robbie though, just to, just to rewind a second, I think they are already at that station when Kess is explaining why oh, these torpedoes she, yeah. are working. Cause she's standing to the side of the station kind of blocked by a bulkhead. So she's protected from that torpedo that, it, that causes that station to explode, right? So it explodes. It was a great stunt. It was. And I was like, was that Roxanne that did her own stuff? Probably no, not. No, that was so, no. Cause it looked, cause what happened is she gets blown back, yeah. right? She gets blown back, but there isn't a cut. It's a direct, the scene continues with Kess rushing in to, to feel their pulse, you know, yeah. to see if they're still alive. And it looked a lot like Roxanne. I thought, well, man, that wow. might be her, but but chances are, like you said, that was probably a stunt person for both yeah. Janeway and Torres. And we That's find that they're dead. Stunt. Yeah, yeah, and they're dead. They're mm-hmm. both dead. Tom comes over very distraught. And and Chicote, by the way, Chicote comes over first and Tom follows. Yeah. But both of them are very distraught, which I yeah. thought for the, yeah. you know, Janeway JC Shippers. I, Another moment, he yeah. was very, very moved and yeah. very upset with her. Uh, but but Chicote says, I need you at the con, and they're back to work. Chicote's got to um, figure out what to do, and he asks Kess because she seems to know. 
Mm -hmm. um, and she says, try remodulating the targeting scanners. So we do, we try and Harry remodulates the targeting scanners using a parametric frequency. He says that may work and it, and it does, it works. Uh, the the, the uh, ship blows up, the Krenim ship uh, is destroyed by this, uh, this remodulating the targeting scan. I wanna add in here that when yeah. you guys are kind of bent over Janeway and Torres and they're dead clearly. And when Chakotay says, Tom, we need you at the con, you know, he's kind of saying, look, I know this is, this is your, yeah. your gal and, but you need to, you need to guess, get with the program right now. And just, yeah, we're in a battle. We're in a battle. Right. And you say two words, you say, I, sir, but the way you delivered that I, sir, was great. Oh, thanks, <laughs> yeah, it was a very I remember that small, moment. It was a very small voice that you that came out, yeah. which was a voice of pain, a voice of loss, and a yeah. voice of acceptance that you had to go back to duty. And it was a very small icer, and it just it was perfect. It was a perfect oh, tone, thanks, and so dude. that was good acting on your part. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, so so we blow up the ship, mm -hmm. cut outside. And by the way, that ship explosion was very cool. I love the way it, it was blew yeah. up and you saw the parts of the ship blowing away. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, some 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 of these space shots are better than others. I thought that was yeah. a great one. It, it was a good one. It, it was a good super one. Super epic. Yeah. All right. We uh, find us in uh, mess hall now, and Harry is giving the damage report to Chicote. Tom is treating crew members and mm -hmm. is still in a state of shock from losing Torres. Kess consoles Tom and then speaks to Neelix and finds out that the torpedo fragment is lodged in a Jeffrey's tube on deck 11, section two. Mm -hmm. Kess says she has to go there. And Neelix says, no, 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 no. You're going to be burned to a crisp if you go, which is a little confusing because that's not what ends up happening when, yeah. she, when she goes well, there. She so I was thinking- yeah. She is sort of getting sick. She's getting- She is, she's coughing, but she's not being burnt to a crisp. Well, I thought, oh, I don't know why why it was written like that, you know? Maybe he would have said like, the radiation poisoning will be too much for you is what yeah. he should have said instead of saying that she's gonna be burned to a crisp, right? Interesting, yeah. yeah. So she's in the Jeffrey's tube and she's coughing, she's crawling along, not burned to a crisp. Her tricorder locks on to the phase variance finally. And um, she realizes it's 1.47. That's the that's the number yeah. she needs. Yeah, we see she it, gets it. We see it on the uh, tricorder, on the, tricorder. The, read, the readout, yeah. which was cool. Yeah. Uh, we see it kind of going through its scans mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. lands on 1.47. Yeah. And then she flashes. Uh, she <laughs> jumps again, jumps yeah. backwards in time. Yeah. And she's like, doctor, you've lost your hair. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we know we're getting back near things we're used to. Yes. And she gives the doctor this 1.47 variance. Mm -hmm. Oh, and we learn it's 1.47 microseconds at this point. We didn't know what the yeah. 1.47, no. what exactly, what is that a measure of? And now we know it's a measure of microseconds, yeah. right? Yeah. So then we go to the briefing room and Kess has now jumped six years total into the past. Janeway talks about how she has never come across any phenomenon quite like this. Torres suggests that setting up a biotemporal chamber and exposing Kess to a precisely modulated field of anti-chroniton particles mm -hmm. would purge her system and bring her back into temporal sync with everyone else. Kess uh, then on the way out of the briefing room warns Janeway that yeah. she must avoid the Krenum at all costs. Yep. And we jumped to sick And bay. by the way, so, you know, here's how my brain works. Like she's mm. warning them about the Krenum, but we've seen Janeway in a, in a battle with the Krenum. She's already told her that. So again, Janeway yeah, is learning so it's it again a, in this timeline. Hmm. She's learning the same information. It makes sense. Right. Just knows every time she jumps backwards, they don't know what, what, but has happened. so here's the question. If she tells Janeway this in this in this scene, mm -hmm. and then she jumps again, does Janeway not remember this information when we she shouldn't? She, I, well, I mean, she clearly doesn't because when we see the Krenum for the first time, she's like, How do you know, Cass? How do you know who these people are? And blah blah blah. So this warning really was there's no there's no use for this warning there's no effect like this warning it would never only stuck be of with use her, right? if we stick in this timeline in this but timeline only jump, okay she does keep jumping back we'll get there but okay you know we jump out of this timeline so okay all right so if if uh, depending on when this scene happened mm -hmm. if it was in let's call it our normal timeline then she would remember it but if it wasn't if it was anywhere on either side because timelines 
aren't linear, right? If if one thing changes, right. it splits into now this could happen but, or that could happen. Yeah, but my thought process was if she tells her beware of the Krenim and she jumps, Janeway is still in that old timeline. Yes. Janeway doesn't jump with Cass. So I would think that she would still retain that knowledge of the Krenim being dangerous because she has never left the timeline. And then she goes through and eventually gets attacked by the Krenim down the, down the road. Right. So I would assume that this is the part that just breaks my brain. It's why it's why it's hard for me (laughs) to get emotionally invested in these stories. I feel like every timeline is just, it's, it's a fake out because it's not, Mm -hmm. it's not real. Where is real time? Yes. I mean, they're all real time. I get that. That's the whole fundamental basis of time stories. Correct. But yet if, if, time is jumping like this, then what's real? Is yeah. any of it real? It's yeah. Just, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. okay. She warns him of the Krenim. We mm-hmm. go to sick bay. The anti-chroniton treatment begins. It's working. Yes. It's working. The one, by the way, that the doctor has talked about a couple of times with a lot of pride, you know, it's his experimental and dare I say genius plan yeah. to <laughs> use this biotemporal chamber. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's, he, he talked about it in a few of the timelines with the same pride. He's pretty full of himself. He's pretty sure. full of himself. Mm-hmm. But now we're finally doing this procedure. Mm-hmm. And I have to say again, Alan Craker did a phenomenal job of staging Bob moving around that yes. room. The camera moved with and, and eventually landed genius. Mm. All this movement during, it felt like a legit procedure. And then the shot dumped off and landed in a close-up on Kess for her, her next jump, which I thought was beautiful staging. Craker's like a mad scientist movement guy you know what i'm saying yeah. like he's in i'm gonna do this and this formula and i'm gonna do this and then we'll end right here and it's yeah. like wow you really did do that so yes yeah. i agree it was it was wonderful um, yeah it was really wonderful lands well. on a close-up of Cass, and mm-hmm. we jump again to a ready room scene but this yeah. is the scene from the pilot the pilot ready room scene yeah, yeah. when Neelix Although, is asking yeah. to stay on the ship it's the same dialogue yeah. But the, but the makeup and hair is not the same. No, it's same. Not. You notice that, right? Yeah. Kess looks like whoever showed up to do Kess's makeup that day was not around during the pilot. <laughs> I'm thinking that's yeah. somebody else completely. Her, hair's, her hair looks different. Her makeup looks different. It just was yeah. like, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. But I, you know, uh, but Neelix is explaining everything the way he did in the original scene, though. I think it sounds like that dialogue. I remember him saying in that, in the pilot episode, I'm here to anticipate your every need and your mm-hmm. first need is me. So he did mm-hmm. say that exact same, same dialogue. dialogue right? But Cass in this, in this version, in this mm-hmm. timeline, she goes, she says, I don't belong here. Yeah. And, and Neelix yeah. is like, wait, whoa, so whoa, whoa, whoa. Talked we talked this. about this. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> he thinks she's chickening out, right. That she doesn't want to okay. stay with Voyager. And but he's no. trying to shut her up. And yeah. then Janeway <laughs> kind of goes, no, tell me no, what, tell me what's going on. Yeah. What's going on. And as, as uh, Cass starts to, uh, Explain. She jumps again. Oh, yeah. Jumps to Ocampa, I guess. Ocampa and Homeworld. Yeah. Ocampa and Homeworld. Mm-hmm. We're in the caves and she's working on a, a box of lettuce. She's growing some lettuce or something, yeah. some plant. Yeah. And it's young Cass. It's a girl, which, which by the way, I think. Is she two looked, months old now or whatever? She's, like, yeah, yeah. she's a baby. <laughs> yeah. But she looked a lot like Jennifer Lean. I thought that was mm-hmm. really good casting. Good casting. The girl, yeah. girl was really yeah. good. And her dad shows up. So we meet Kess's dad and mm-hmm. yeah, I just thought, I thought that scene was great. Yeah. She tries and, to explain to her father what's happening, but of course he thinks she's playing games and, yeah. um, and she also doesn't recognize her father too. So she doesn't know who he is and she flashes yeah. again before the explanation is complete. And now she's in an Ocompen hospital and she's being born. Kess is being born. And my out question- of the, Out of her mom's back. Her, her mom's another, back, right? Another back baby. Mm-hmm. Um, so the question is- Ocompen back babies. Is, is infant Kess the same infant that was infant Linus? I thought about this, that. I don't think so. They, they okay. definitely, I think they use different babies. A different baby. Okay. Yeah. All right. We flash again. Back baby. Yes, we uh, flash again. We flash again to Kess's mother's womb, where we see Kess yeah, as now a fetus. Now we go into like a stylized, <laughs> yes. crazy, microscopic yes. embryo and cells. Fetus splitting. embryo, single cell. Getting, yeah, and it's then, going from many, you know, an embryo mm-hmm. to many cells to four cells to two cells to one, one cell, cell to nothing to nothing. She does pitch exist. black, pitch black, Just and then for a moment. yeah, then everything reverses. Yeah. yeah. Now the cells start splitting from one to two to four to the embryo and and back baby comes out yep back baby comes out 
the mother who was the mom who played the mom i don't know she looked familiar but i don't know who that is and she says uh i think one day she'll see the sun and that's so true she does see the sun and that flashes she flashes once again and now she's back to the room um excuse me she is back to the chamber yeah back to sick bay where the anti-chroniton treatment is happening again still happening and the chronotons have all been purged. She is back into temporal sync with everyone. Yep. She's now back to real, real time. So everything has been real time, but this is real, real time is what I'm yeah. going to say, right? The yeah. real, real reality. Yep. She's there. And we jump to the uh, resort program yep. where Neelix is musing about his future as a security officer. Yeah. Tuvok sort of uh, reigns on his parade and says, well, you know, what Kess is describing is just one possible future. And Neelix comes back with, oh, good. So maybe I'm chief of, uh, chief of security, actually, so which is hilarious. Then we kind of, the camera kind of pans over and we see Harry asking Kess if she remembers all of her memories yeah, of the past. All of yes, memories? and Kess like, I do remember the replicator rations that you owe me. And I'm like, oh, darn it. I can't get away from that. Yeah. Um, I felt like I blocked Kess a little bit in that move though. So I felt like, oh man, I should have moved a little bit further over, but you know, the camera does end up on her. Um, and everyone is just curious about Kess's version of the future. Everyone's asking, you know, what happened with me? What happened with me? Yeah. I love Chakotay's joke about Tom joining a monastery. Harry sticks up for you. I stick up for you saying, no, 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 no. He'll get married. He'll have a family, right? Oh, yeah. And then get married and live ever after. But Tom's the one that says, look, don't tell me. I like a little mystery in my life. And Janeway agrees. Let's just leave the future to the future. Tuvok does request that Kess make a report on the Krenum. And she says, I'll get started right away. Janeway says, no, 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 not now. Enjoy your party. And Kess says, if there's one thing that this experience has taught me captain is that there is no time like the present and as she leaves we have that final lovely shot of the entire crew watching kess leave which we never have those shots it's pretty rare to see everybody standing there yeah out of at attention in a way no i thought it was great i thought it was really well staged and well directed Mm -hmm. by again by alan craker by alan yeah i love the way i did enjoy the ending of this i like the way that things sort of wrapped up yeah it was a good wrap Um, up but i agree but for me it was a tough episode to track i just found myself confused and okay um i I, i've heard that from with the fans that this is people either really like this episode or really hate it yeah i'm not on either extreme because there's a lot of things i liked about it but i don't think it was successful in the end it did give me your one to ten give me your one to ten rating I would give this a five. I'm right in the middle on this one. Okay. Hmm. Because there were some, some things like Alan's direction I thought was really good. I think, hmm. um, I think a lot of the performances in the episode were really good. I thought hmm. Chakotay was great. I thought the doctor was funny. I thought, yeah. I thought you and I and our guest stars were really good. I thought yeah. everybody, you know, I was happy with my performance and yeah. Jennifer Lean, you know, did a, a, a tour de force, you know, playing yeah. all the ages of man there. Yeah. But and- it just didn't work for me as a, as a okay. story. That's why okay. I'm a solid five, which is okay. not a great number. You know? No, I'm going to punch it up because of all the positive elements that you mentioned. I'm going to pump it up. Uh, this is more of a six and a half for me, maybe a seven. Just because of, again, you know, just everyone's performance. Um, this was kind of a tour de force for Jennifer, a good episode yeah. for her to really yeah. stretch her. This is her threshold, really. You know what I'm saying? Like she got to yeah. really stretch in this one. So yeah. I'm going to... I'm going to say that yeah. uh, I'm going to rate it higher because of that. What about um, a theme or lesson that you learned from this episode? I think the theme episode? and the lesson was beautifully scripted by Ken Biller, the very last line when Cass says there's no time like the present. Yeah. To me, that's the theme. That's, yeah. the, that's the absolute okay. uh, truth. Is that that's, I believe that. There's no time. You know, Stay in the moment. Stay present. I wrote that down as well. I have, there's no time like the present, but I also wrote down the other lesson comes from early in this episode when Kess is speaking to Andrew, trying to get some facts from Andrew. Yeah. And he's like, and she says like, listen, I need to ask you some questions and I really need you to think about them before you answer. And little Andrew looks at her and says, I always think before I speak, you taught me that. that. And so again, wise Kess, because this is something that everybody can do with this lesson. Because Thinking before you speak can save yeah. a lot of misery <laughs> in the world because I think a lot of people, they run off of emotion and react. They're, people are reactionary yeah. and you react, you're not thinking, you definitely are not thinking when you're reactionary and you're just saying yeah. what's going to come out of your mouth. So that was my other 
important that's a lesson. That's good takeaway. That's mm-hmm. always a, yeah. Yeah. I think there's yeah. often a, a more than one lesson in a Star Trek episode. So. Yeah. There, there, yeah. There can be more than one. So um, that's why I like, I like to say, instead of theme, what are the lessons that we've learned from yeah. this? Right? Great. All right. Well, that was fun. That, that was, was a nice really little review. Yeah. I'm sorry you gave it such brain. a Yeah. You gave it such a low review, but I understand the story really, it was hard for you to get it's invested. It's problematic for me right? it's, it's, as yeah. a story. It's just, I, I understand. I, and it's not that I think Ken could have done anything differently. I think it's just a concept. Like, I okay. don't know that this concept could have yeah. elevated the number for me, no right. matter what. I right. it just, it's, it's a hard one. Okay to wrap my head around no problem that's your opinion and you are entitled to it all right well that was fun what's next week do we know uh yeah next week is the episode real life real life which is funny because we're talking about real life here like is this the real life or is that not real so now next week we are actually reviewing an episode called real life Yeah. yeah so that should be exciting all right thanks a lot guys for tuning in for this week all of our patreon patrons please stay tuned for your bonus material bye guys see ya (laughs) 